Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. This is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How are you doing, everyone? Welcome. Thank you for listening. It's lovely to have you on board as ever. How's things? What have you been up to? Tell me what you've been doing. Send me some projects. Tweet us at Arrest All Mimics. Tag us on Instagram. Show me what you've been creating because that's what it all comes down to, right? The weather this week is Empire State Spanking. <laughs> Yeah, got to apologise up front, um, recorded this fantastic episode on Skype and uh, I'm with Robin Lang of Shutterstock, Shutterstock's photo curator um, and she's based with the company in the Empire State Building and they've got some radiators that make a kind of spanking noise, uh, just just very occasionally, you, you might not even notice it, you will notice it, <laughs> but it's very infrequent, um, but it did occur to me when I was editing the show that it does sound a little bit dodgy and it's not. So there you go, that's all. <laughs> yeah, like I said, big episode coming up today, uh, the 2019 Creative Trends report that Shutterstock do, which is quite fascinating, has dropped. Uh, so I got Robin Lang on the phone from New York, and we're going to be talking about her journey as a photo curator, uh, her work at Shutterstock, the trend report, and all that good stuff. But first, a little thank you to my wonderful sponsors who keep this show free every week. Sorry, every other week, we're not weekly. It's too intense. <laughs> no one's keeping up. Um, illustrationweb.com. Fantastic illustration agency. They represent me amongst a whole range of specialists from hand lettering artists to mural artists, fashion illustrators, um, people who doodle, people who do hyper-reality, people who do Renaissance-style painting. You name it, it's there. Go and check out the wonderful portfolios over at illustrationweb.com. Dot com. You can check out the news section of the site now if you want to put a little peek behind the curtain, see what's going on with, with, with which clients, which art directors, which illustrators, which designers. Um, some great stories on there, so go and take a look at all that good stuff. These guys have been founding sponsors of the show here since day one, so thank you to them. Heartinternet.co.uk Wonderful tech sponsor. These guys provide servers, domains, hosting, all the good web stuff that you need to get yourself seen on Google and all the good search engines to represent your business in 2019. Um, go and have a look. They've got some great SEO advice, social media advice on their social channels too. Uh, they're certainly worth following and having a look. And they do great services. Uh, they provide us with a digital tip every single episode. And this episode... It's kind of straightforward. We're going to be talking about all of that stuff with Robin Lang, about trends, about what makes a great image, about how she curates, how trends are set, the data that that's based on. So just listen to this episode and take all that in. I don't think I need to go any deeper than that because Robin does it a whole lot better than I do. So, yeah, listen out. And that's courtesy of heartinternet.co.uk. The Association of Illustrators, the AOI.com. Uh, I think the deadline will have just passed by the time this episode goes out for the World Illustration Awards. But it's not unusual for the deadline to be extended, so do keep an eye on their channels uh, or the AOI.com for updates on that because it's a must-enter award for illustrators. In my opinion, I've been entering it now for a number of years, had moderate success, shortlisted, not yet won anything. Hoping to change that this year, we'll see. Who knows, maybe get one of the big ones. But I must say, it was a fantastic exhibition last year with very worthy winners. Uh, and I do touch upon the facts in this episode, that I did get a good kick up the ass by seeing the very deserving winners and, and knowing that I just wasn't there. And, and hopefully, whether I've changed that or not this year, the work has been edited and personalised accordingly. So we will get to that in the episode. So thank you to those sponsors. Go and check them all out. They keep this show free. Um, so what's been going on? Like I say, get me your updates on the social at Arrest All Mimics. Spread the word on the podcast. Drop us a little review if you get a chance on iTunes. Uh, it all helps. There's been a few people done that recently, so thank you if you have. And also thank you to the people who've uh, kindly gone and dropped a couple of reviews of my book, Champagne and Wax Crayons, on the Amazon page. That's also a big help. Lots of insights there as to how people feel about it. If that's your thing, go check it out. Brutally honest account of freelancing in the in, in the industry, in the creative industries. Uh, I wrote that during a time of stress. Massively frustrated, sitting there in my underwear 12 hours a day, working from home, not getting the jobs through. But that frustration became something unexpected and quite valuable for me. So go and have a look. It's what started this podcast called Champagne and What's Crowns. It's out there now. So without further ado, the 2019 Creative Trend Report from Shutterstock just dropped. And it's really, really interesting. Um, I did see a talk at Glug in Manchester recently. If you haven't been to a Glug event, do go and take a look there. They're a great little organisation doing 
talk nights across the UK, across Europe, uh, globally, in fact, now. They're, they're, they're a great bunch of people, and it's just kind of snowballed. They have great speakers on. It's great informal events. You usually get a beer with your ticket price. They're well worth investigating. Um, but... I saw a representative of Shutstock uh, do a talk at the one in Manchester, and it was really interesting. I'd always considered stock imagery some, you know, but quite banal, quite anonymous, often corporate. Uh, but in recent years, the very first guest actually on this show, Danny Ellison, um, has been uploading a lot of his travel photography, really strong standard professional work up to Shutstock, and making a bit of a passive income there. So it kind of piqued my interest. And then I saw his talk at Glug. And they're about a lot of things, but they're actually really quite creatively switched on. And it should have been a no-brainer from day dot, really, with over 1 billion images on their website. They've got to know what's going on. So I chat to Robin Lang on this episode, who is the curator at Shutterstock. So what a role. She has to go through all of that stuff, which is going to tell us why she loves that role. And make sense of it, make cohesive mood boards, so to speak, the light box feature that they've got on Shutterstock... Um, and she's a big part of the Creative Trends Report, looking at all the data that comes through from the photographers and the illustrators and the filmmakers who have their content on Shutterstock. And what emerges from that are these coming trends of what's going to be big and what's probably going to kick on and have a big impact in the creative industries moving forward for 2019. So we're going to get into why 80s opulence is important <laughs> this year, why old as new is going to be quite big, they predict, and why zine culture is going to have a big uh, impact this year. Uh, it sounds like some of the more... Clinical, minimal design is not losing its impact, but in terms of trends, it's going to hand over some of its prominence from last year over to uh, more weathered, kind of grainy, raw, you know, like zine kind of cut and paste trends. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about why that is, how that is, where the data is derived from and why it matters. Um, we're going to talk about why last year's popular trends were holographic foils, it was glitched the year before. It's really, really interesting stuff. And in terms of Robin's journey, that's really, really quite inspiring. She's going to talk about how she's from a farming community uh, in the United States and is now working in the Empire State Building in New York City with Shutterstock. And none of this was particularly trained for, so this was just initiative, this was uh, instinct. And she's going to talk about why a certain um, degree of naivety or is crucial in helping you find your own path because you do things for pleasure, you do things with um, with passion, with instinct, and how that's led her on this journey. Working out the back of a car to get those first roles, working freelance on magazines as a photo editor, as a picture editor, before taking the leap into the world of Shutterstock. So it's a great story. It's a really inspiring one. It's one of my favourite interviews to date. I know I'm biased and I say that about a lot of shows, but it really is, and Robin's passion really comes through. So I want your feedback. Please do let us know how to rest all mimics on social media. Drop us an email, hello at bentallen.com. Uh, whether that's to talk about the show, about why you think you need to be on the show if you've done something interesting, or whether you just want to plug someone or recommend another guest. I'm up for it. Get in touch. Be in contact. Um, I love it. So thank you very much again for listening. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Robin Lang. Forgive the small intrusion of the radiator in the background. Um, it's the Empire State Building. It's an old building and... It does that. So there you go. Enjoy. Uh, I meet Robin Lang from Shutstock. No. Um, <laughs> I am, I, I'm not even, sometimes I wonder how, how I landed in a creative industry, to be totally honest. I was not creative. Um, I mean, I think I was imaginative, but in terms of like a physical creative outlet, I didn't do any of that. Um, I wasn't into drawing. I wasn't into painting or sculpting. Um even up through my formative years, I didn't do art classes. I've never actually studied photography. My degree is in psychology. Brilliant. Um, you know, I got into this field because I thought it might allow me to travel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I just had a really, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and the States. Um, I just had a really normal, average childhood. There was no trauma. There was, you know, nothing... Know, that really stands out in my mind. Um, I think my dad, both my parents had a bit of a creative streak that they had to suppress because they grew up in these really small towns in these farming communities. And, um, it, you know, it just wasn't considered realistic to have those sorts of pursuits. Yeah. And so they were guided in, you know, more traditional directions. Um, and we didn't really, I mean, they never said no to us, but they didn't particularly encourage us in any specific direction. We were, you know, my bro I have an older brother. Um, we were allowed to just sort of, you know, find our own interests and, you know, push to try new things here and there. But 
Um, no, like I, I was terrible at sports. I couldn't draw. I'm not really sure what I did now that I look back. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. But also, but 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 what's great about that is, and you, you know, you hit upon, and this is a common thread, but just just the freedom and a lack of pressure uh, to to find your own way is often enough. And then you you know you tend to, I, I think it's more likely that you'll lead with something you enjoy in that instance. Yeah, and it's um, you know, and I think having a fair amount of naivete really lends itself to finding a pursuit that you love because. I had no training in photography and I had no experience and I didn't know anyone that did this and I wasn't around it. And yet somehow I decided, Oh, I'm going to go do that. And that was it. And that's what I pursued. And, um, I went door to door until I found, you know, my first job and then it just sort of took off from there. And I just, you know, followed, you know, whatever opportunities came my way. And I made myself very open to, moving cross country on a whim to um, accept a job and, and living out of my car, you know, until I, I found a place to, to stay, you know, while searching for work. And yeah, I think, you know, because I didn't have any expectations, I also didn't, you know, I didn't know any better. That's yeah. And I think that's, that's key because you're responding, I would guess to feeling and, and to experience as opposed to what you should be doing or preconceptions. Right, right. And, you know, when you have no roadmap, I mean, I think that makes the journey a little bit more interesting and more exciting. Exactly exactly that. You said that so much better than me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will just take over your podcast then, and I will do the road show. Now, now, see, there, look, I've just figured out my next role. (laughs) There you go. That's the attitude. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so, So you worked freelance as a photo editor in magazine publishing, is that right? I did. I did that. Um, I've had a really varied career in the photo industry. I've worked in a studio helping a photographer. I worked um, at a magazine as an intern. That was my first real publishing job. I worked overseeing um, the uh, photography side of uh, a workshop, like a summer-long you know, workshop where famous photographers would come and, and give talks and teach for a week. And so because um, the person I was supposed to be assisting quit, I ended up taking over the entire role and met some really amazing, well-known photographers and got a chance to sort of rub elbows and um, feel humbled on a fairly regular basis. And then, excuse me, when I landed in New York almost 20 years ago, I just started scrapping around and, you know, worked for a photographer that was quite well-known and then worked at an agency representing photographers and then... You know, as is true to form, I just decided I was going to do freelance, even though I didn't really know what that entailed. And I decided that I would work in publishing, producing photo shoots, even though I'd never done that before. And because at that time, there weren't that many freelance photo editors out there, I was able to land a lot of work quite often. Um, I should ask, I'm still friends with the first person that hired me, and I should ask why on earth, why he hired me, because I really had like, no sensible you know, experience to lend to this job. Um, but they, you know, they brought me on, and I did it for 11 years, and I worked for you know, really prominent magazines like um, T-Style from the New York Times, and you know, Time Magazine, Travel and Leisure. I worked for Vogue off and on for about 10 years. Um, and I loved it and I loved doing that and I loved bouncing around. But after about 11 years, I, you know, I felt like I'd kind of done everything that I'd wanted to do and I just wanted to pursue something different. And that's when I saw the position at Shutterstock had opened up and, um, initially I, you know, wasn't even going to pursue it because, you know, I didn't think much of stock photography and I wasn't really sure that I wanted to be involved, but the more I dug into the job and the more I looked at the description, I thought, oh, this could be a really interesting opportunity. It's something I've never done before and never considered, so, you know, I jumped in. Yeah, and 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 you mentioned there about stock photography and, and kind of preconceptions. I, I had the same notions of it before I started to use it and, and heard of actually some great stories. I mean, for example, I don't know if you're aware of the band Blur from the UK. Yes, but I, I grew up obsessed with that band, and and then I was lucky enough to interview Rob O'Connor, who um, was a creative director for a lot of their early album covers and the marketing material and all the iconic stuff from, from that I grew up with. And only when I learned that the, the album cover of Park Life was a stock image 
did I suddenly think, okay, this is more about the eye and and did it, did re- it kind of blow your mind? It did, it did actually, and it gave me a whole new appreciation and curiosity to go and explore existing imagery myself, which is actually as so as as an occasional art director who works on a shoestring budget with bands who have next to no money, it's actually been a great resource for me to work with existing imagery. So it changed my whole perception of of stock photography, which it sounds like. Did, did you have a similar experience when you got the role? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know as a, a freelancer and you know photo editor, aside from producing photo shoots and you know art directing photo shoots. I spent a lot of time also researching because if you, you know, as you said, if you don't have a large budget, you really need to find imagery that's pre-existing. Um, I had one strategy, which was contacting co- contacting photographers that I knew and trying to track down imagery that I thought that perhaps that they had shot. And then the other avenue was always going to, you know, stock photography. But the direction from art directors and creative directors would always be find something inexpensive, but it can't look like stock. Yeah. So there's a preconceived notion of what stock is. You know, it's really unnatural. It's weird lighting. It's posed. Um, it's sort of goofy. Um, it's not like the, the buzzword over the last few years has been authentic. You know, so it was not authentic. But when you really start digging into it and you and you start finding really amazing imagery by really talented people, like it sort of shocks me a little bit. And I get really excited that... You know, the one thing that I, I truly love about the idea of stock and Shutterstock in particular is that it's such a democratic form. Like people from really small towns in far-flung countries um, that just have this passion about photography can participate. And maybe it's not a, something that they're able to do full-time and as a career, or maybe it's not something that they even want to do. They just like to do it as a hobby on the side. But there's some really talented people out there in the world, and the thought that they're all willing to put their work out there and you know try to make a little bit of money on the side and um, just pursue their creativity um, using our site to do it, I think is pretty special. And... Um, yeah, every day. Like, I mean, that's literally all I do all day long is I dig through our collection with like, what, 225 million images. And that's all I do. I dig through it and I try to find imagery that I think is really amazing and, um, you know, put together collections for customers and, and creatives who come and visit our site. And um, it's really one part useful. Like maybe it's around a holiday or an event or something that's coming up, but it's also just inspirational. Like I'm, I'm trying to find imagery that you know, other creatives can get inspired by and get excited about and say, oh, I didn't expect that this would be, you know, in a stock, you know, portfolio. Yeah, and I, and I, I would guess you mentioned the, the democratic process there. I imagine that as technology, as you know, as, as we know, it's advanced at a crazy rate over the last decade or 15 years. So people can now afford this amazing kit to... Yeah unearth a talent that was maybe always there and surely that's led to a really great and broader global range of of photography making its you know way onto Shutterstock. Absolutely and it's um you know when I started in this industry it's been almost 20 years that I've been doing this kind of work and you know back then you really had to have the financial means to get started um the equipment was big it was heavy everything was you know, either negatives or slide format, and you had to worry about your film going through the x-ray machines at a random airport and getting destroyed. And there are just so many factors that made it really difficult to achieve. Um, And now, for better or worse, you know, as you said, the technology has just made it so much more accessible. Um, And also, I, I think it has allowed people to have a newer better appreciation of what photography is like I think they you know maybe people didn't realize that um, this is an art form that's you know really for the for the masses like it's for everybody it's really approachable and I think that's what I love about photography more so than almost any other art form is that everybody can participate everybody can do it Um, and I think that's really neat I think that's a really you know great feeling that everyone can kind of be on the same page regardless of their background 
it, it is hundred percent. And 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 what's and the flip side of that, you know, from the from maybe the old school professionals' point of view, is perhaps that it it maybe makes for a lot of photography that isn't so great, which then I guess highlights the importance of your role. Would that be the case that you know, as a curator, it's up to you to to recognize great imagery? Right, and it's you know, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and and tell you, Ben, that there aren't any stinkers in our collection because it's 225 million images. I mean, let's just be realistic <laughs> about, you know, what's being submitted and what's out there. Um, as long as the imagery is technically proficient and it meets all of the, you know, credentials, then we'll take it, which, you know, that's democracy. That's what it is. You get the good with the bad, you mm-hmm. know, just how it works. Um, and then, you know, to touch on what you had said about the professionals, that is one area that I'm very sensitive about because I've worked with professional photographers for so many years and I've seen how, you know, the proliferation of stock photography, you know, there's, they kind of feel like maybe that's eating in on their profession and on their role. Um, and it's not just stock. It was, especially when digital photography started to, to become more the norm that, you know, traditional photographers were, you know, started feeling conflicted about it. And, um, you know, I felt the same way when I, when I started in stock, but I really feel like there's enough room in the industry, um, for, you know, the traditional professional full-time photographers, as well as the more amateur photographers that are, um, you know, contributing, um, most likely to these, these stock sites. Like I I think everybody can, can partake. Oh, I think so. Just from from having friends who are photographers who use Shutterstock quite prolifically, I've you know they they get commissions um, all the time. But also, you know, they've got these folders just full of images from trips from ten, fifteen years ago, from two years ago that otherwise would just be personal pleasures. But actually, they're able to earn a passive income. And then I guess on the other side of that, people perhaps you know with with a range of budgets are able to access this which again goes back to the democratic process that you hit upon yeah absolutely and i can tell you my dad is a contributor he um you know i mentioned that he had had that creative streak when he was young and he had actually worked for a photographer when he was about 12 years old and and worked in a dark room with this with this fellow and so it's something that he does you know he's retired now my parents are um living a good retired life and it's just something he does as a hobby he really enjoys it and you know if he can make a quarter on an image that he took in his backyard why not like that's just really fun for him so absolutely um, and yeah. you know who knows where that ends up and it does yeah i mean i i do have to say you know for myself it, with 225 million images and growing it, it is job security um in that it's it's a lot of work it is a full-time job to sort through all of that and you know try and surface all of the best images so that our customers don't have to um you know and i take that i take that role very seriously like I, I really you know think hard about what our customers want when they want it um what styles i think you know are going to be most suitable for everybody and i really try to you know i i see myself as very much a, a service type role like i'm really trying to provide a, a solid creative service for for individuals from the comfort of my desk. <laughs> so let's talk trends. So the, so the new trend report for this year has, has just come out, right? That's true. Yeah, we just launched it, what, on Monday, Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah. Brand new, brand new baby. Are you familiar with our trends report? Had you seen it before or did you know anything about it? Yeah, I did actually because I went, there's um, there's an event called Glug that goes on in the UK and it's um, it's an industry, kind of creative industry meetup and various speakers and um, there was actually a Shutterstock representative um, doing a talk not too long back and it was fascinating actually to me. It was, I didn't really know what to expect from that but the stories behind some of the images and the, and the trends on there really blew me away so that's why I was keen when this opportunity came up to talk to you um about it so yeah to answer your question in a roundabout way i am i am aware of it okay fantastic yeah Um, so this is our our eighth year doing it um personally this is my fourth year that i've done the trends um it's really exciting for us because it's not i like that as you know a creative person um i'm one part creative but i'm also one part um very ocd if i could you know throw that term about um i like things to be neat and tidy and organized and efficient. And I love that our trends are born from data. 
rather than just a bunch of creatives sitting in a room deciding like this is what you know the future is going to be <laughs> so it really is we have um you know all of our customers are designers and art directors and filmmakers and as they search you know for whatever creative projects they're working on we are able to pull all of that data and all of those searches and we're able to look at you know from year to year what those increases are and what those surges in searches are and then we're able to you know kind of sit down and talk about um what do these mean and what makes the most sense and then from that we kind of pull together what we think you know the trends are going to be and in the past couple of years we've you know we've hit on a couple of big ones that we've been really proud of um last year was this thing called holographic foil and the year prior it was glitch um a light your, your listeners, you know, look those up if they're interested. And so we think that this year, um, you know, we're going to do again. We're going to have a, a really hot one that's going to that's going to come out of the. So yeah, so so there's so tell us about some of the trends in this year's report and and, and how they were arrived at. Yeah, so we um, so we go through and we'll pull all together all the data together, and we'll have a look at you know what's been surging from one year to the next, and we'll start to get a good field of view of you know, what people are searching for and what we think that, you know, people in the creative market are going to be using um, for their campaigns for 2019. And because we have, you know, millions of active customers and because we have billions of licenses and downloads and search, we really have a massive amount of data that we can sort through and that really guides us in this process. Um, We usually break down the trends report into what we call major trends and then rising trends, and then we have um, one that we choose every year that we think is a trend to watch, a trend that's really going to blow up. Um, so the major trends for this year are, we've got three of them. Uh, there's one called zine culture. Mm-hmm. And it, I imagine that you are familiar with um, zines and the popularity of zines in, in the 80s. Compl- uh, completely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially, I mean, zines were huge in the U.K., um, they were really big when I was growing up. You know, we would gather around with our friends in the middle of the night at you know the local Kinkos, um, which is like a place where you could you know fill a photocopier with dimes and, and create your own zines and publications and, and send them out to your friends. And um, so we think that that style of collage imagery is really going to start getting big this year. And part of the reason for that is you know we've got this population of Instagrammers and influencers, as they call themselves. And what really happens is that it's kind of like an extension of the zine culture from back in the day, where people are able to find like their own niche interests and create like these entire communities around these little um, niche interests that I think is really cool. And so I think, you know, bigger advertisers and and, um, creatives are going to start using that concept for their own campaigns. So I think it's just going to grow and get bigger. So we're talking, uh, you know, I, I would take that as, you know, cut and paste, uh, ripped paper and, and yeah. more sort of hand-drawn yeah. fonts. Kind of, kind of raw-looking, handmade, mm-hmm. um, different media. And what's interesting about Instagram is now that they're doing, like, the Instagram stories and who knows what the, the future versions of Instagram will become. But, it, yeah, it's going to be, like, this really cool mixed-media you know, maybe it's going to be video overlaid with stills. Um, music will, you know, I imagine eventually be involved. But yeah, it's, it's sort of that homemade aesthetic that I think is going to be popular because I think, you know, people are sort of over the hyper-polished, really clean look, which sort of leads into our next one, which we call 80s Opulence. I love this. Um, I love this one. <laughs> what I love, I don't know which of our copywriters came up with the tagline, forget good taste, this is about good times. I think that's hilarious. It's really clever, actually. (laughs) I think so accurate. Because it really is like, this is, all right, so my aesthetic is very um, plain, shall we say. I, you know, tend towards gray and navy and basics and, you know, not a lot of pizzazz. And this is just entirely in the opposite direction. And I kind of love it. so for the your listeners, it's all about like gold chains and animal prints, you know, like the leopard print, um, you know, these gold chain patterns. There's really, you know, I would say garish colors. It's kind of wild and fun, snakeskin <laughs> snake prints. Um, someone had asked me in a recent interview if she could now declare leopard print to be the new neutral. And so I, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I indulged with her and I said, absolutely. I said, this is, you know, absolutely what everybody should be doing. So, yeah, that, that's fantastic. I'm, neutral. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> I, f- I feel like I got married a few weeks ago and we. Congratulations. That's thank, exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's great. And and the theme uh, that me and my wife went for, we, the dress code was just rascal. We said, do your worst. And um, I, I now feel like I should dump my uh, wedding album on 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 Shutterstock. <laughs> Absolutely, upload it, tag it. I know somebody who could help you get those into a collection on the website. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, we could really, yeah. I like this idea. Let's pursue this after this after this talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I love. I actually, I really kind of want to see those pictures too. Uh, yeah. So, oh God. Yeah. So, so I'll send you a link. There's some pictures up there. Yeah. Absolutely. That's <laughs> so, um, so in terms in terms of these trends, then I mean, because I mean, I guess you know, of, of course, this data is collected from existing material. Is, is there an aspect to your role in predicting trends and actually? I mean, of course, that's what this is. But in terms of actually leading the conversation. Um. Yeah. I think in my role in particular, or just Shutterstock in general. I guess a bit of both. Yeah, there is. I think it's um, more of, you know, we're helping to build awareness. So, for example, you know, we can communicate between our customers who are, you know, searching for this imagery and our contributors who are uploading this imagery. You know, we can play um, the middleman where we can, you know, say to our contributors, hey, you know, these are the trends. These are the things that people have been searching for, and these are the things that we think coming up people are going to continue searching for. So go forth, prosper, you know, make imagery and make videos and, you know, make music um, that's going to be along these lines and and in these veins of of trends and then upload it. And then we're hoping that, you know, it can be a, a prosperous situation for everybody involved that, you know, the creatives can find what they're looking for. Contributors um, are able to, you know, pad their wallets with all of these new trends that are coming forth. And we don't really feel, Shutterstock as a whole, or myself in particular, you know, I don't really feel like we're pushing something that isn't true or valuable. And that's where that data comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, you know, feel comfortable saying that these are going to be trends that are going to be big simply because, you know, we're just following what our customers are doing already. Um, and because they're always at the forefront of what's going on in the industry, like we really think that we're kind of bringing everybody along. Um, we have a lot of customers that are, you know, small and medium businesses, and maybe they don't follow, you know, the fashion week um, in New York and, and Paris and London, and maybe they aren't up on all the, the hippest and hottest music videos that are out there. So we're able to take that information and kind of relay it to everyone and say, hey, you know, in the spirit of, again, democracy, like, come on board, let's all take this journey together. And, um, you know, we're going to try and guide you and, and help you and make your business successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's right on. And also, you know, a lot of these trends and this imagery is not, you know, by virtue of it being a predicted trend, it's not happened yet. So actually, you know, it's not like it's repeating something that already was, this is actually trying to be ahead of the curve. So that's really cool. Right. And it's, um, well, and it's funny that you say that, because you know, a lot of these trends, they do feel a little based in nostalgia this year, which is something that we kind of touched on last year a little bit, but this year it seems to be, um, you know, much more so like it's not just going back a few decades to the eighties. It's also going back, you know, we've got, um, a trend, oh, what did we call it? Rococo romance. You know, that's like a 300 year old art process, you know, Rococo and Baroque and those really rich, lush, um, indulgent types of imagery and paintings and decadent, like there's a real decadence to it. And I think the nostalgia for, you know, the 2019 trends, I think we're trying to pull away from, you know, all the, the tumultuous news that we're reading and the, the <clears throat> excuse me, the constant influx of you know, digital media, like we just cannot get away from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of the 2019 trends, they're really about just having fun and being playful. Um, And they're really just in the spirit of, you know, just enjoying yourself and sort of taking a break from, you know, reality, perhaps. Yeah, and and also what's great about that is that any 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 artistic person who's worth what they're doing is going to see it with a whole new eye. So no matter how cyclical this this stuff is you know if that person's got interesting ideas and is informed by today's environment then we're going to see something new done with something that was which is always exciting anyway 
Yeah, it's really neat to see. I mean, it's fascinating for me. Like we have, um, you know, we'll look through as we're putting the trends together and we'll try to find some real life examples, you know, just so that we can share ideas of what people have already started to do with them. And it's, it's always just this really cool, fresh take. And it's, uh, you know, I, I almost loathe calling myself a creative because I don't feel like I'm really that creative. I'm really just kind of judgmental about creativity. Yeah. Like that, you know, that's really my role. Like I get paid to look at images and be judgmental. Um, I don't get paid to actually create that much. So when I see the ideas that come out of these people's heads, like it just blows my mind at how talented they are and how exciting it is. And, you know, when we see um, projects that people pull together and they use imagery from our collection, like, I'm just wowed all the time by it. God, yeah, I mean, there's so much good stuff on there. And, you know, and, and that's also something that I would ask is, uh, you know, by stock imagery by its nature is created without a single a singular use in mind. Therefore, is it, would you encourage just like any other art form to come at this with, you know, with a heartfelt, passionate approach as opposed to trying to second guess what somebody might want? Um. Yeah, I would do. Yeah, absolutely. I would. I would do both because you never because we have so many users, you just cannot guess what people are going to be interested in. And that's what's you know kind of exciting about the trends for us is when we start looking through the data. You know, there's always kind of an oh shit moment of what are people thinking? Like, like, where is this going? Where did it come from? How did it get started? Why is everybody suddenly interested? You know, in you know, 80s style imagery, like, who knows? Like, I don't know where it comes from. So I, I wouldn't tell our contributors to try and guess. I would tell them, you know, you're going to get your best work from just being passionate. And, you know, if you're not passionate about 80s opulence, then that's cool. Like, find out what you are passionate about, and you will find an audience. You know, there's, there's so many people doing so many creative things. And, creativity and imagery has become so saturated in our culture these days that there's really like there's an outlet for everybody oh a hundred percent and that's why it's more important than ever i think to to go with the heart and and not be afraid to put those weirder you know that's something that's been dragged out of the subconscious mind on the forefront and get it out there because i've seen some of the, the craziest things do incredibly well in commercial environments yeah, and it's and I mean, do you feel that way in your work as well? Like, do you ever see something that you feel sort of inspired? Like, oh, I want to incorporate that style into my work, or do you really like? Do you have just this, this inherent style that um, that you maintain? I have. I certainly have a very natural, raw, rough and ready uh, style that I've always been drawn to. You know, whether be be that in literature, film, music, that's the stuff I've always been attracted to, and that's something that comes out in my own drawing style. But yeah, without a doubt, I'll see something interesting and think, oh, okay, there's a tiny percentage of that that if I did this with it and brought that into this environment, then we've got something new. So of course, I think I think it, we would be foolish to say we're not all influenced by what's around us. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do. I, you know, I'm fortunate to have hit upon this very natural, raw style that my work's recognised for, and that's brilliant because I've always got that foundation which allows me to go off and try new things with it. Well, and that's yeah, and that's what's you know that's what's really exciting, and that's why I'm always so impressed with um, people who make a living doing this creative work. You know, whatever it may be, I just, like there's this raw talent that's within them that just they feel like they need to express, and I just have so much appreciation and. and um, you're so humbled by people who can you know, express that. I think that's really cool. Oh, with the, yeah, without without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I went to some illustration awards last year, and I and I, I was shortlisted, but came away feeling very soundly beaten by the winners, and, I, and that was a great thing because it was a real galvanizing feeling. And the reason I say that is all of the people who'd won the awards were just these incredibly personal, wacky out there styles that could have only come from that person's you know heart or their, their soul and and yet they'd been picked up for like adidas campaigns and stella mccartney campaigns and won these awards and i thought okay let's get back to to just doing what i do and not thinking or worrying about how it's going to be received yeah and i think you know i have to say i think that um you know some of those brands deserve props a little bit you know for taking that risk like taking that risk to try something totally new and and totally different and um, you know, like that's, there's so much money involved in these campaigns that, you know, I think brands might overthink it a little bit and get a little bit stressed out about what they should be doing when really like, you know, they should be focusing on what is best for their brand 
but you know, like what we try to do with these trends is just give them some direction of, Hey, you know, this is what people are excited about, but you should utilize these tools, you know, to, to make whatever is best for you. Like everybody's going to do it a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. Always. And that's the, yeah, that's the thing. Um, so in terms of Shutterstock as a company and, and the working environment, I, it's, um, it's quite intriguing to me how that, how that works. You mentioned you were in the empire state building. Yeah. And and now you're the second person I've spoken to now from Shutterstock. I mentioned earlier the presentation that I saw. Um both really interesting people to talk to. What what's the working environment like? Is it is it a collaborative kind of human centric environment? Um it is. So we have two uh no, we have three. We have three floors here at um Empire State Building. We're on twenty, twenty one, and then we also have a team on thirty six. Um you know, it's the typical cool IT space or tech space that's um, like open office and there's, you know, unlimited snacks, which are my downfall. Um, (laughs) You know, I sit with, so everybody kind of sits in uh, clusters of their, their team and sort of within, you know, the broader. um, So technically I'm on the creative team more broadly. I am in the marketing department, but I also work with, um, you know, our developers and engineers and UX and the communications department and so on and so forth. I, you know, my role in particular, I really work all across the spectrum because there's a lot that I'm able to contribute to our sales team for their specific needs. And, um, you know, for our UX team, like they'll use me basically as a guinea pig to test out new products and, and new research that they're working on. Um, as a whole, it's, yeah, it's really very much collaborative. Like everybody you know, has their own specific goals that they're working on each day and their own specific projects. So there, you know, is an instance of people just hunkering down, putting on their headphones and like really cranking out, you know, some cool work. Um, but also, you know, if I have a question, I just stand up and shout to whoever's nearest me. <laughs> I mean, it's really like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's like a camp environment, you know, like it's kind of loose and it's kind of free and um, whatever you need and whatever, you know, you can slack somebody or you can email them or, you know, if I feel like taking a walk, I just get up and, you know, go wander over to their desk or, you know, corner and we'll hang out in the cafeteria and have a coffee and just talk over some ideas. Like, it's really nice to be able to be here in person and connect with people when you just have like that random thought that passes through your mind. Like, Oh, I, you know, I just thought of something really interesting. Let me go talk to that person about it. And then being able to flesh it out in the moment, I think is really helpful. Fantastic. Have you got any? Um, have you got any standout examples of images that have been kind of picked up in an environment you wouldn't have ever ever expected, and then been you know really successful? It's just a totally random question um, off the top of my head, but it's just something that occurred to me. Have you seen? This is um, the silliest thing, but have you seen um, that egg that's going around? There's a I don't know, somebody. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on. Twitter at all, but somebody, I guess, tweeted out a photo of an egg, like a simple, lovely egg on white in a studio, and they wanted it to get the top number of tweets or retweets. I don't know how Twitter works. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) Oh, it was on, I'm being told it was on, I'm totally wrong. It was on Instagram, and they wanted world record likes. So they're trying to get more likes for this picture, this egg, than anything else. (laughs) I know which Shutterstock egg. So it was an egg that came from our collection. So that's <laughs> wow. That's our claim to fame. That's we have pro- the world's most liked egg in our collection. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> um, more seriously, we had um, uh, the film Black Panther that came out. Yeah, huge, phenomenal success, and they used um, they used a lot of uh, imagery in their poster um, that came from Shutterstock and. You know, we have a lot of movies that you know, are huge hits in Hollywood, and they'll use video clips that we have in our collection. And it's it's not usually, like, one big main image that everybody sees, but it's, like, all the pieces and parts that go into the formation of those images and those films that most people don't even realize. Like, most people have no idea that that filmmaker didn't create all of those bits and pieces. Like, they, they bought them. You know, it's, yeah. it's cheaper and it's easier to just go out and purchase something that's already pre-existing. And that's where we come into play. Like, we really try to make it a streamlined, easy, um, you know, opportunity for people. And so we're really proud. I mean, it's, you know, it's sort of the, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. But we're really proud of when, you 
know, we see our imagery in places like that. Like, I think that's really exciting for our contributors as well to, to be a part of that. Oh, undoubtedly so. And, and especially, you know, as a, as a person in your role who spends, you know, their days doing this, that must be a huge kick. Yeah, it's anytime I see, you know, it, this even goes back to when I was a, a photo editor, like every time I would finish a shoot and the magazine would come out and I would see my story in print, even if it's just a small one, like you always get a little excited. You're like, oh, I did something like I feel like I accomplished something today and, <laughs> and it's fun to show your, you know, your kids or your family. And my parents still have the very first issue um, I used to work at Outside Magazine. It was the first magazine that I worked at. And they have the very first issue where my name was in print. You know, I was on the masthead. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> and they, they held on to it. And I, I think that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, dude, that, that, that's fantastic. I, I remember, yeah, I first got published in, in the Guardian um, newspaper in, in the UK. And, you know, that was on a real pedestal. Uh, that's a big deal. At university, yeah, it was incredibly exciting. So I went and bought eight copies of the newspaper. <laughs> and uh, I think I gave one to my parents, kept one for myself. And that was it. I'm like, uh, yeah, somewhere. It's in a folder yeah. somewhere. But I thought, yeah, I've never touched the other six. <laughs> Yeah, I had, um, I, so I used to, uh, work for this really well-known photographer and, uh, I would do printing for him. This was old school darkroom printing and I had printed a, an image that he had taken of Picasso that was on the front of a, a photo journal. And that's really the only thing that I've kept. Um, I kept the copy of that magazine. Oh, wow. That was so cool. That, I mean, it's, you know, no one in the world would ever know that I did it, but I know that I did it. So I was really proud of that. <laughs> brilliant that's really really cool so 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 in terms of the trend report where can where can people out there get access to that um it is now available on our blog mm-hmm. um that is the best place to go because then you can see the whole thing it's not just static images um it's also there's video and there's music incorporated into that because we have um music aspect to the trends as well as um film clips video aspect to the trends and you can go to shutterstock.com backslash blog. Brilliant. And you'll be able to find it there. I'll be checking that out myself in depth. Yeah, go you know, go say kudos to my work. Yeah, absolutely. Filling my boots with <laughs> filling my boots with eighties opulence. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Upload yeah, you could do that while you're uploading your wedding thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will be looking for those and then I'm gonna to put together a collection for our website. It's gonna be called the Ben Allen special. <laughs> That'd be good. One night only. <laughs> Brilliant. Well um the last question I always ask my guests, um uh, called call it the Shark in the Tank, named after the love hate piece of artwork by Damien Hurst. Yeah. Um and and I'd literally ask for a love and a hate or a positive and a negative about your creativity and the work you do. Um I love that someone is paying me to do what I do. Brilliant. Just think about that. I mean, I, I literally look at images all day and I try to choose the ones that I think are the most inspiring for, for people to see and to get excited about. And, you know, I've been doing it for 20 years and I still can't believe that um, someone gives me a paycheck to do this. <laughs> that's the never, best I best feeling would have, you know when i was a kid i never would have thought that this was an actual job pretty sure my grandmother still doesn't believe that this is an actual job <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah i think that's i think that's my love i think my love is that i still feel humbled pretty regularly that um this is something that i get to do mm-hmm. yeah it's the um, best it's the best feeling yeah and then i what do i need to come up with i hate or a negative hit strong hit strong it can be yeah and it can be as fun or as or as uh as serious as you like um i think for for me in this particular role i think the negative is um and it's also sort of a love hate for this particular thing is just the proliferation of photography these days yeah um just trying to keep up and it you know it used to be that you would call an agency and they would send over some photographers portfolios and you would look at them and you would choose one and that was kind of it or they might send you their work directly if they didn't have an agent and now it's instagram and websites and journals and you know there's shows and i mean it's just it's very overwhelming um 
and it's it's and that's a love hate with that like it's amazing that there's so much out there and it's really exciting that there's so many people that are contributing but man it's a lot of work to keep on top of and so i find that a little bit exhausting um to the point where usually in the face of it i just do nothing (laughs) 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 like i know that i'm a week behind on you know checking instagram and seeing what's going on but um i'm gonna see what's on netflix instead yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i can understand that completely <laughs> so yeah so i guess that's it brilliant well um that's been an absolute pleasure robin and uh thank you so much for your time no thank you so much i really appreciate your interest and um you know i'm, I'm glad that you're continuing this podcast it's really cool thank you so much to robin lang uh, what a fascinating story what a great conversation and Really, really interesting, right, with the Creative Trends Report. No matter how you feel about trends, I think with that amount of data and that amount of content producers, it's kind of uh, hard to ignore the influence of this stuff. So let me know your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you at Arrest All Mimics on social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, whatever your preferred platform is. Give us a follow, give us a share. Please do spread the love of the show. It's getting more and more popular by the week. Some great numbers recently hugely popular episode with Rob Watson from Raw talking about downsizing and why that's been crucial for his own creativity so thank you for all those who've uh, who've been very vocal actually on this episode and their feedback that means a lot it really helps get the show noticed and if you love what we're doing here if you like these conversations with people in the arts giving us insights into the world give us a share please drop us a little review on iTunes help however you can because it's really appreciated it's really needed I do this all off my own back um, and with the support of the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and the AOI.com, the Association of Illustrators. But without their help, um, it, it will be tricky, but it's 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 hard work. It's grind. I love it. It's passion. But please do give us all the help you can um, rather than just bypassing the episode. If you, if you like it, please do shout about it. Just tell them it. It all really helps. So thank you, as ever, for listening. Thank you to Robin Lang. Coming up, we've got some great episodes. We've got Foil Co. coming up. We've got Matt Hornby talking from there, talking about foiling, about techniques, about just the love of it in graphic design and why that industry is crucial to these guys, much like GF Smith, who I had on the show not too long back. Um, really do have to work hand-in-hand with the design industry. So it's really exciting times, and that's a big one coming up. So go and check out Foil Co. They do some wonderful work. Um, I shared on the social this wonderful print they did with Graham Wood not too long back, who's also been on the show. Really beautiful. Just really, really beautiful stuff. And, and foiling is just... Oh, it's just a geeky pleasure, isn't it, for this industry? I think we all love it a little bit. So go on. That's coming up. Um, so I hope you're going to enjoy that. We've got Blair Ends coming up talking about value-based pricing and pricing creativity. That's going to be a monster episode because we all know how hard that is. Got Jane Boyer coming back to the show. We've got John Snowles, which is executive creative director, Sean Thomas. It's all going on. We've got some guests coming up that you would not believe. So do keep checking back. And thank you for listening today. Have an awesome week. Catch you all soon.